On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. bathroom is like 20 feet that way and the and the beer stand is right behind us and we're just having pints shouting nonsense into the wind it's happening you guys it's happening oh my god oh my god i wish you all were here this is tall can audio canada's number one craft beer fueled sports show Here's your hosts, Rob Christie and Matt Robinson. Episode 949 of the Talk In Audio podcast. That's a good woman said. My name is Matt Robinson. Rob Christie with me again here for your Monday morning. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Talk In Audio. Make sure you give us a follow there. And uh, make sure you're subscribed, following wherever you're listening right now. How you doing, man? Top notch, top notch. Although I'm, I'm slightly confused as we um, once again do this remotely. Yeah. For some reason, the dog, which usually stays as far away from me in, in the recording time as possible, he gets to the front of the house. Right. He's been following me around. What are you, you doing? What's out? happening here today? What do we? No, what you do don't want to go out. You want some? You want? You need more water. You need. He likes it cold. Yeah. Okay. Got to be cold. <laughs> and I get it, man. I much like his owner. Uh-huh. But no, doesn't want that. And I can hear him walking on the on the hardwood. And I'm like, where are you? And yeah, he's right behind me. I swing my hand back and there he is. Hey, like, what, buddy. What are you doing? Just wants so to I, hang I, out, be part of the show. Yeah, yeah. We, we always love it. We always love it when Chuck contributes. TCA, where the C stands for Chuck. You bet. He'd love that. He'd love that. He would. <laughs> he, he's a bit of a... He, for a big dog, he's a bit of a cream puff. And, right. And uh, he's got a loud bark, but... Um, yeah, really soft as church music. All right. <laughs> but people people sort of, he, he again, he looks like the dog on the front of the Trouble at the Hen House. Yeah, okay. Like it's, it's, it's really almost a, a, a spitting image of him. Uh, speaking of Trouble at the Hen House, we got uh, Michael Barclay coming on the podcast on Thursday. Wrote a terrific book on the Tragically Hip called The Never-Ending Present. Uh, the story of Gore Downey and the Tragically Hip. Uh, he's got a new book coming out in April, though, and uh, that one is called Hearts on Fire, Six Years That Changed Canadian Music, 2000 to 2005. So we'll look for that on uh, on Thursday with Michael Barclay, but if you haven't had a chance to check out that uh, that book on the hip and you're a hip fan, and you must be to have sat through the number of times that Rob and I have digressed down a tragically hip path, uh, well worth a look. Also wrote one uh, before that called 
have not been the same. The Can Rock Renaissance of 1985 to 1995. Uh, we'll put links to these all in the uh, the show notes if you want to check them out. Um, but that'll be awesome coming up on uh, on Thursday morning. Really looking forward to having a chance to to talk to him. And uh, I was going to do that a little bit later, but but Rob's trouble at the hen house segue was just too pro perfect. segue, man. Yeah. Pro segue. Yeah, that's how we do that. Uh, what are we sipping on today, man? I thought you were going to tell me that the name of his book, Hearts on Fire, was based on the Survivor tune that came off of the Rocky Four album. <laughs> Clearly. Well, he has sent me uh, an advanced copy, like I'm some kind of professional or something, that I've been thumbing through over the last couple of days. Uh, so far, no mention of that, so I, I don't think that's where this has come from. I am drinking, which you just heard me crack there now, and I've had the first pull, is, it's called Safe Word. Oh, boy. From the Indie Ale House out of Toronto. I've, I've never had anything from them. I have a couple times good stuff, usually. Okay, so this is a Kvike. Which yep. uh, I've had a couple on here, right? So it's uh, Norwegian yeast, sort of. Um, it's got that high fermenting. It can be used for anything from you know brown ales right up to to stouts. High heat, but but burns sort of clean, right? Mm. And I would say that this is very similar to that, right? It's got a really nice, easy drinking flavor. Kvike, safe word by Indie Ale House. <laughs> Uh, a 5.2, sorry, if right. I was looking for the ABVs. Right. The small advanced can. stats, right? The nerds yeah. that want that uh, extra information. And I'm not loving the small can, but no. you know what? This is two weeks in a row on the small can for you. That's why I have three of them lined up. <laughs> what do you got over guys, there, Matt? Guys, no chump. Uh, this is, after several straight episodes of IPAs, uh, I have returned home to the almighty stout. And uh, this is uh, from, where'd it go? Okay, this is the Mountain View Stout from the Bench Brewing Company. And we did this last time that I had something from the Bench Brewing Company. It's from Beansville, Ontario. And I didn't know where that was. And so I looked it up. Now I forget again. But if you're... It's the brewery of wine country. It's down in Niagara, that area. Okay. Shout out to Beansville. Uh, and, uh, and your brewery, I I've had a, we, we've both had stuff from bench before. I don't believe I've had the Mountain View stout, stout says it's going to be creamy and chocolatey gorgeous. So, uh, 6% on this one, uh, was watching a little bit of, of preseason, a little spring training baseball. And, uh, I believe it was a member of the Baltimore Orioles crew who described, uh, the high fastball. It's a lot like chocolate mousse. It looks good but it is not good for you. Don't swing. <laughs> Do not swing. So uh, you were, why don't we just start with, uh, before we get into any of the baseball stuff, start hockey because uh, you made your return to the barn on Saturday night out to the CTC for the Sens and Panthers. How'd it go, man? What was the vibe like? I loved it. I loved it. I wasn't sure what I was going to expect, you know, what to expect. Um, but trying to get in, driving in last night, and you're like, Oh, right. This whole thing. Well, and since when, since when do people come to see the Sens? Like, what is happening here? Looked it like was, a good house, so I looked it up. 17 thou? 17.5 almost was yeah. the announced in-house, so that's only a 1,000 short of For the of Panthers. Seller. Well, and for the Senator. Yeah, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I guess the Saturday <laughs> helps. But yeah, they've had the ability to, uh, I guess it's been, what, a week or two now? That uh, Maybe a little more than that, that uh, they've been at full capacity. And this, is, I think, is the biggest house they've had since then. 
Uh, this is the biggest house they've had all year. Yeah. Um, one of the early Toronto games, they had uh, 15 and change at the beginning of the season. You know Toronto, right? they don't draw. Like, yeah. Um, but no, that not was... Like the Panthers, anyway. Then there was a Colorado or Pittsburgh game where they, before they started clamping down again, where it was in around 17 as well. Mm-hmm. So this was right there. Um, I had won. These were, these were seats that I won back before Christmas for in a trivia contest. What and was so the th- question? Do you remember the question? Uh, there was multiple questions. Okay. And I, and I, yeah. Um, but there were four 100 level seats. Nice. So these were, honestly, they were super sweet seats. <laughs> um, and about halfway, well, halfway through the third period, they ran a contest where, you know, it was called stand up, sit down. Blah, right. blah, blah. And it, it comes down to one person left, right? And, it's, and they said, if you're not in, you know, if you're wearing a Panther jersey, sit down. It's, it's supposed to should make it down. the first fucking question. Or should be the first one. That was the first one, okay, right? Yeah. If you're wearing a Panther jersey, <laughs> sit down. And so, but then the second one was, if you're in the 300 section, sit down. Damn it. And, and all the hoi polloi up there, the trash started booing. Yeah. And I'm like, shut up. And I, I, you know, I've been in the 100s four times in my life probably, but, but now I'm like, trash, yeah. shut up. Ladies and gentlemen, a winner has been chosen for today's giveaway. And the 1997 Pontiac Astro Wagon goes to the fan sitting in seat number 0001C Montgomery Burns. Yeah! Yeah! And the fans do not like this one bit. And here come the pretzels. Hall of Famer Whitey Ford now on the field, pleading with the crowd for, for some kind of sanity. Uh-oh, and a barrage of pretzels now knocking Whitey unconscious. Wow, this is, uh, this is a black day for baseball. Um, anyways, they were sweet seats. I, I was in row M, so about 13 rows up right behind uh, the net. Okay. Um, and now it's, you're super close to the action, but I couldn't really, it's, it's hard from that angle in the 100s to see the far end, Yeah, it, to be honest, right behind the net. And so, um, that was where the bulk of the score, scoring was. <laughs> so I found myself a lot at the other end, looking at the jumbotron sure, in Chris, yeah. in, in Chris Pie Def yeah. from Bell. Um, <laughs> but the, but the place was, was the, the vibe was electric. Well, can I just say, like was, I, I, I saw before the game and then I kind of forgot and then I did check in on it from time to time and then the Leaf game was over well ahead of time so I watched the end of the of the Sens. I was very happy for you, man, that you were able to go on country night. I knew you'd be big into that. So so driving in the, with the four of us, I said, okay, I got a couple of, you know, over-unders. I said, you know, do we make it to the 10-minute mark of the first period before we hear Luke Bryan's Country Girls Shake It For Me, right? <laughs> Which Garth Brooks tune do we hear, right? I'm going to give you, is it um, I Got Friends in Low Places mm-hmm. or is it going to be Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up? Right. Which which one of those are we going to hear? And, and and the other one was... Did one of the, like, some of your party, did they know who Garth Brooks was? Like <laughs> One of the party had actually seen Garth Brooks live. Okay. So... Um, but like you have a couple of youngins with you, didn't you? Not have two thirteen-year-olds, or uh, it was a thirteen-year-old and a seventeen-year-old. Okay, yeah. So, but the seventeen-year-old is a bit of an old soul. She's a Pink Floyd fan, oh, nice. and uh, 
Um, so yeah, and and it was friends in low places. Yeah, of course. Um, I said, I, you know, I said, is it before the middle of the second period before we hear Alan Jackson's, you know, <laughs> way on way down yonder in the Chattahoochee? Which was actually, guy knows his country. Which was actually past the second half, just okay. for those wondering. Yeah. But it, it, but it's funny. It, it's like we got halfway through, and then the country just started to 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 ooze away, peter out a little. Right. Like they started to go into more classic rock, and we can get into this later. At the time, I was unclear. There must have been eight Foo Fighters songs played throughout the night, and I'm like. Super odd. More so at foods. the time, you wouldn't have had any idea. I had no idea. Yeah, okay. So you're right. We can touch on that in a bit, but for those who aren't aware, yeah, uh, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for the Foo Fighters, passed away on Saturday, but that uh, is a little odd. I did enjoy the song, and uh, Sends DJ there, at Sends DJ on Twitter. You can follow him. He's the guy who runs all the tunes for the Senators. Uh, I did enjoy the song they were using when the Panthers scored. Oh, I don't know. What was it? Help me out. Hickey Breaky Heart. Oh, okay. I, I'm not. I, they only played that with the tying goal, I think. Okay. Well, I guess I like you said I was watching it late. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? I I didn't really put that together. Yeah. I, I I'd had a, I'd had a beer by that point. Sure. Ish. Yes. Ish. Um. But um. And it's funny because you know as soon as they started playing and, and I was right there with friends in low places, right? <laughs> Just singing out, giving her. And, and well. And it's it's funny because as the second half of the game progresses, the fans were into it. And did you watch the shootout? I did, yeah. Did it sound loud on it TV? It did. It sounded like a good house. Because it was... It, I was, was pretty sure was, I could hear you. Well, honestly, <laughs> by the time I got home, I had I had no voice. I'm, <laughs> I'm yelling at goalie Bob, who's who's right in front of me for, for some of the action in the overtime. Well, he seemed to do his two-year spell all inside of one night. Yeah, exactly, Matt. <laughs> He's like, just great Vesna quality one year, terrible the next year. Uh, he was looking pretty soft early on in the game, and then all of a sudden started just dominating in the second half. So. That was absolutely my take on it, too. Three goals on the first 10 shots. Like, yeah. Ottawa was getting pumped on the shot clock <laughs> and, and and flow of play. Like, they were scoring goals against the run of play big time. Right. Um, and, yeah, and goalie Bob looked not good. And then in the second half... He looked like a Vezina caliber goalie. Yes, he did. You, you have it spot on. Like the save he made on Norris in, in the OT, mm-hmm. sick. And it happened like. Well, the Suns had a couple of good in, chances on him in that overtime. Yeah, 20 <laughs> feet in front of me, right? right? It was just right there. And so uh, it was great to be involved in a, to be back in the barn. And, and it's funny, there's a couple of things that, that I noticed right away that you don't get on, on TV, whether you're not paying as close attention. But uh, one is. How fast Formington is. Yeah. That goal where you could just see him circle back at the blue line, the puck breaks out, and he's just He's gone. He's gone. The other thing is is how shifty Stutzla is. Right. Like to see him live, it's it's a it's incredible. And the other thing is how small Brandstrom is. Holy <laughs> man. Like right in front of me for the first and third period, it's it's tough for a guy. It's gotta be tough for a guy that size. Like I think my son was that big in, in Peewee. <laughs> Like five nine. It's not a fair comparison. That's a big boy. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> if, he, if he is five nine, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was entertaining, and um, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel. I wore the mask in and out. Mm-hmm. I didn't see too many masks last night, right? And so that seems to have weathered over the course of the week. I uh, just anecdotally, you know, people I'm talking to and and following online and whatever, saying like on Monday, a lot of people 
were still wearing it, right? The first day where you didn't have to. By the end of the week, they said it was dropping. Yeah, see, and I still wear one into work. I don't wear one at my desk. Right. But I get up from my desk, I put it on to go to the kitchen or to go to wherever. I just, for the time being, that's how I feel comfortable. Sure, yeah. Um, But I didn't wear it in the arena. Right. And I understand that probably seems like I've defeated a bunch of, (laughs) but it's the bumping into people coming in and the jam-packedness. I didn't get up and leave my seat. Right, beers came to me, which is super nice. Couldn't that's have been what, many. That's what it is to be in the one hundreds. <laughs> Knowing the uh, the legend of Rob's bladder. Uh, yeah, no, and you're right, Matt. <laughs> you're spot on, Matt. I did not leave. There was only there was only three beers drank during the game, but I but I took all the proper precautions ahead of time. Just he's completely dehydrated himself, like dried fruit before he showed I, up to the game. Had a workout <laughs> mid afternoon, yeah. all that sort of stuff, but. Um, but it was great. The barn was was electric, and I and I, I like to take part of the credit for that. Oh, obviously, yeah. But there was this little kid. It was it, it's. I must be getting to a certain vintage. This little girl, maybe four years old, she was in the row behind us, and it, and she had a little sign that said, "My first my first sense game," and she kept trying to fire up the go sense go chant. So <laughs> I was throwing her some support. <laughs> so honestly, she had a gas. She had a little notebook where you could hear her say, "Why why is that whistle, Dad?" Right, and then she'd say, "Dad, that's a dad would say that's a that's a icing or that's an offside," and so she'd be like writing in her <laughs> writing in her little picking spiral it up, man. Notebook. Yeah. yeah, and so she was she was uh, cute as a button that kid. So I was trying to you know help her out, and she had a gas. So yeah, had, good times, man. My uh, my niece, a couple years older than that, but she doesn't follow hockey almost at all. Like her family's not into it, but when she's around Uncle Matt, she wants to try, right? And and so she's like, "I'm going to score this game. Like I'm going to I'm going to take notes." <laughs> And uh, I'm like, all right. And uh, so at the start, it's zero zero, but there's also the shot clock underneath. And then she'll turn and talk to you for a second, and she'll turn back. She's like, oh, because she's writing down the shots too. And she's like, it's, now it's like five two. And I'm like, it's gonna be like thirty two twenty nine. Like those are gonna keep coming. You don't have to write all those down. <laughs> well, she should have been watching the Sens game last night because for a while there was none. It was like. And zero, so... And then all of a sudden, the Panthers fired off quite a few. I, I will say, uh, DJ Smith, I guess, walked into the post-game press conference, looked around, it was a Saturday night, and it was Saturday night, uh, only three members of the press here for what was probably our best game of the season, and Sen's Twitter was alive with, that can't be our best game. <laughs> we just gave up 50 shots to the... Now, the Panthers are a very good team, uh, yeah. and it was certainly one of the more entertaining games of the year. I think people were pushing against the idea that a loss where you give up 50 shots was maybe not Ottawa's best game of the season. Wow. And the thing is, you look at uh, Forsberg, who now you, you have a, a season and a half almost of, of he's a 500 goalie on a team that is so far below 500. Yep. And he seems to be better. The, the number of, of, of plus 40 shot games that he's been in <laughs> that the, that have held the Sens in. So it wasn't a surprise that he got to face the Panthers. Right. And I was sure they'd play Gus, but it, it makes good sense that, you know, maybe you wouldn't on a Saturday night. And, and yeah, Forsberg was, was oh man, he was full value for, for getting them there, right? He did everything he could do to get those two points. But, um, but again, it was so good to be back. And, and, and I'm, I'm chafing against the, you heard people afterwards say post-COVID, yeah. It felt like pre-COVID. How about that? Because we are not post-COVID. We are not. And um, especially when you look at the wastewater numbers and, and what's going to happen. And, and I'm there spending most of the game 
Yeah, with no mask on. So mm-hmm. I, I am fully, I'm still going to, you know, I'll go in and out of places with mask on for the, you know, for now. And right. and I, I heard, uh, you know, the good source that is Dr. Isaac Bogosh say, uh, the fourth wave, another, the fourth wave, the next wave is coming. Yep. Right? So. If not here, we're just not counting cases anymore. Well, so <laughs> we got an election coming the, up. We can't be Post-COVID is what I keep hearing. I know. It gets thrown around. Um, and, and I will be, I will be super interested to see what happens with this next wave that comes up, right? You've thrown open all doors and windows. And as you've said, just in one week, people are like mask, fuck it. (laughs) Right. Like you've seen that already, right? How quickly. And it's funny because we were at least a day late with the, with my work. They said, you know, we want to check with the Ministry of Labor where they're at with it. So we had to wait. Uh, I got my email saying, you don't have to wear it. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I, I've, I've laid out where I'm going to wear it. Yep. But to take it off at my workstation, man, I felt like I was working and walking around with no pants. <laughs> right? Like you have that feeling all, all of a sudden like, hey, man. I've just shaved my beard that I've had for 20 years. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I feel exposed. <laughs> like that's it. Honestly, it, it, it was such an odd feeling. You're like, am I doing something naughty? Like what? It just, yeah, it, it was it, weird. It almost becomes the opposite, right? Like it feels weird at first. It was odd. Like, oh shit, I forgot my mask. Like you, you get into the store and you see everyone else wearing it and you go shit and you quickly pull it out of your pocket. Cause like it's not normal to wear a mask, right? You just right. forgot to put it on. Now it's the opposite. Like you, sure. it, to take it back off, you're. That was the one thing that this whole thing. And look, there's a hundred different stories on where we're going, how big this wave is going to be, how much more or less serious it is than other waves. I, I don't know. I don't even want to get into all that. The thing I guess that sticks with me is, even if you do want to. Th- you know, throw all these things back open, your sporting events and your restaurants and your malls and everything else. And and just was the mask really hurting anybody, right? Like to go into the grocery store to still ask people to mask, like it's open. You can still go where you want, do what you want. We've given it all back to you. It just didn't really seem like, and like you said, if you're sitting, I'm not necessarily talking about you at an office, sitting at your own station, you know, a wave. It just sort of seems like at places where you are going to pass people and people do have to go, I don't know. I just, it's all open again. It just didn't really seem like it was hurting anything to keep wearing the mask. Right. Like, yeah. And, and, and this is where I was, I was, I was alluding to or leading towards in the, in my previous statement, if the wave really ramps up and they start to lock down again, you're, they've now put you in a position where people are going to be more pissed off because you didn't sort of gradually, you just went from zero to 60 and went, hey, man. Well, and a lot of those people saying post-COVID, believe it. We're not reporting cases anymore. Like, they're not hearing it on the news all the time anymore. It feels like it's over. I don't think there's any chance this close to an election. Dougie's going to lock everybody back down again. But we are going to start to see the results of this. And uh, yeah. I, well, and again, you're, you're right. It is. It's an election year, and it's not even election year. It's it's we're talking months away. Yeah. Um, that there is no COVID. What are you talking about? And yeah. he was here in Ottawa late last week saying, "No, I don't think I opened up too soon. No. I think everything's good." You'll see. The hospitals will dictate where this where this wave is at. Right? Well, he when gave some see- attitude to somebody who asked a question last week. 
it said, yeah, don't worry about it. We've expanded the number of beds. And the, <laughs> the follow-up question was, so we're like, are we going to do anything to try and keep people out of the hospital? Yeah. Or is that just like, no, don't worry. The hospitals will be fine. The morgues will be fine. And those extra beds don't come with suddenly extra trained nurses and stuff. So well, have you put on new wings in hospitals? Because right. like, where do those new beds come? Where do they go? Right. Where are you putting those? Yeah. Putin style in the hallway or what? Like what's happening here? Yeah. So we'll see where this is all going to head. But I, I, I do sort of get the, at the CTC, for those who've never been, everybody sort of gets funneled to one gate down this one staircase and the, the overwhelming majority are kind of all heading out that one place. And a lot of arenas are like that, right? Like you can kind of sometimes get in pretty gradually and maybe you're at your seat and you're having a beer and a hot dog or whatever. You are shoulder to shoulder when the game yeah. ends and everyone's trying to leave at the same time. So it makes waited, good sense at that point to. Right. And I waited about 15 minutes, waited to hit the, hit the three stars, kicked around a bit, just waited. Yeah. And then, and then when it, when, when the big crush was done, mm-hmm. just, uh, and to me, I just want to try and do what I can do. Right. Right. To be smart about it. And that's it. I can't, um, I can't do more than that. Nope. It's true, man. Okay, and just so you know, Matt, it is one nothing Canada over Jamaica. So as we sit here right now, shortly after 4 Eastern, uh, yeah, Canada, Jamaica, down at BMO, uh, a nice minus four wind whipping Love off it. the lake right now. Um, yeah, Canada having lost to Costa Rica on Thursday night uh, with a chance here to clinch with a, a draw or a win, I believe, gets them in. Yep. And uh, even with a loss... If enough other crazy shit went on, they could uh, also still qualify. This is a this is going to happen. It's just a question of whether or not it happens today. So good to see Canada up in the first half. Um, where do you want to go next, man? We got some baseball stuff we could talk about. Anything else on the hockey front? I know Ottawa's sort of been tied up in this Dadanov thing, but to me, it's 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 a week old. But if you had anything you wanted to sort of, it just it's it's so we talked midweek via email, right? Whether you believe this is Ottawa's fault or not, it it's so senators to be tied up in this, right? Like just here's one more thing on the plate. Yeah, it it, it to me it, it does come down to that trade call of Vegas and Ottawa. Yeah, right. And you have the central registry on there, and what's become clear over the time is is that central registry and the Vegas Golden Knights are on the same page. It's Ottawa on the outside saying, no, man, we were legit. And and I guess just before we go any further, I for those who didn't follow this, Ottawa last summer trades Dadanov to Vegas. Dadanov has a 10-team no-trade list. Vegas isn't on it, so he can go there. That's no problem. But you have to communicate to Vegas who else is on that trade, or that he even has a no t- or a 10-team no-trade list that's coming with him, and who's on it. And so at the deadline, Vegas tries to trade him to Anaheim. Anaheim is on the list. So he's like, no, fuck you. I'm not going there. And they're like, well, you have to. And now we end up in this mess of who knew what, who told who. And yeah, it. it I, I said to you earlier in the week, this doesn't seem like it's Ottawa's fault. As the days went by, it, it seems like it might be closer to or Ottawa's part, fault. <laughs> yeah. For certainly part Ottawa's fault. Yeah. And, 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 and for those of you wondering, you're like, Fucking rich guy, blah, blah, blah. Um, Evgeny Dodonov is on his last contract. Like, nobody can get rid of this guy. 
fast enough now, right? Like he's making more money than, and Ottawa was able to unload him miraculously. Yeah. Vegas is now like, man, we got to get, we got to get money off the books. And for the difference between this guy, next year we'll make, I believe it's 6.5. Right. The difference between him making 6.5 in Vegas and him making 6.5 in Anaheim on what will be his last year in the NHL. Any guesses, Matt, as to what the difference is? It's about a million bucks. It's almost 800 grand. Yeah. Just in terms of where you will pay your taxes. Significant money. And he's saying, and what we do know in all this, he said, he said bullshit, is Dodonov and his agent did file the 10-team no trade list on time. Yep. Like that did happen. So he's saying, yeah, no, I'm not going to be the good guy and give up 800 grr. Right. Forget it, man. This is somebody else's problem. It's it's not mean Gene's problem. And so <laughs> it's it becomes, as he wants to stick around in, in Vegas, they needed that cap space to bring back guys that are far Big more important time. than him, right? Now we'll see when they get healthy whether this actually becomes an issue, but they have Alec Martinez and Mark Stone on LTIR, and they now do not have room to bring them off of LTIR because he's tying up the cap space. If he'd have left, uh, it was Ryan Kessler coming back. Yeah. So you get his cap space and Ryan Kessler's LTIR space, and uh, no, none of that's happening now. And so you wonder even inside the, the Vegas room, how many guys are like, because I disagree with you a bit. I don't think this is his last year in the NHL. I, I he's This is last year making this kind of money. Um, but he's like, he's putting up some points in Vegas. He's doing all right. Uh, like, I assume we all believe this ends with him in Arizona. And maybe they could use him at uh, another tax-free state that maybe for a million or two a year he sticks around. But those other guys are like, hey, good for you for taking that stand and everything but we'd really like to have Mark Stone instead of you on our in our lineup tonight. Are, are you sure about that? Because they held him out a couple of games, and then once they figured out it wasn't his fault, and he stays with Vegas and it's voided, he comes back and gets a goal and two assists. Yeah, he had in a, a good Vegas night. Win. And you're like, look at this. We've reacquired <laughs> our own guy, and it's paying dividends. Well, that and very was- night, Monday night, of the trade deadline, he was in Minnesota with the team going, I'm going to play tonight. And they're like, no, you're, we've... You're not we on our you. yeah. You're not on our roster. He's like, yeah, but I'm telling you, I'm not leaving. So put me back on your <laughs> roster. So. There's many many boyfriends who've told girlfriends, no, 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 no. You don't understand. There's uh, that episode I'm, I'm of George Costanza on Seinfeld. Uh, he goes to break up with a woman. She's like, no. He's like, uh, yeah, like I, this isn't working. He's like, no, I'm not letting you give up on this. And he's like, okay, like. <laughs> What else can I do? That sounds like my first marriage. (laughs) Maura, I I want you to know I've given this a lot of thought. I'm sorry, but we we have to break up. No. (laughs) What's that? We're not breaking up. (laughs) We're not? No. All right. Only that makes me Costanza, which may not be 100% (laughs) 
incorrect. I'm a, I don't like it, but you know what? If the fucking shoe fits, wear it. So yeah, it, it just, it seems like as you were kind of getting to Ottawa didn't properly communicate to Vegas what that 10 team list, whether they didn't tell Vegas that he had one, whether they didn't tell Vegas properly who was on it. Cause it gets updated each year. Um, we don't know. Yeah. The, the, the feeling is here in town and we haven't heard Kel surprise haven't heard from the GM. Um, <laughs> is that they didn't file it in time. That right. seemed to be the contentious point, right? Was, hey, yeah, they had one, but they didn't refile it this year on time, which is June 30th of 2021. Yeah. And, but yeah, no, there is By factual all accounts, proof. Dadnov and his agent have a receipt that says, you know, yes, we received this. Oh, no. <laughs> and so once once we have cleared that, Probably in some way Ottawa has fumbled the ball yeah. or or fudged it or lateraled when they should have kicked. Whatever. I don't know. Um, the flip side is Vegas is not out of the woods. No. Clear. You've had this player since July of last year and nobody ever said, hey, Dodonov, we may like to get rid of you. Right. What? I see on Cap Friendly this public site that seems to know more than Central Registry, <laughs> Ottawa, or Vegas that you have no trade. Yeah, Puckpedia and everybody but us seems to <laughs> right. And again, that's the NHL. That's Vegas. That's the, it's. I, I it's it's weird. And so the fact that you haven't spoken to the athlete in your building, yeah. Makes you look also bad. Now, For not sure. Ottawa bad because everyone already thinks Ottawa looks very bad. But even but as a professional courtesy, typically GMs will talk to agents, talk yeah. to whatever. You know, here's where we're sort of at with your guy. Heads up, you, you might get dealt. Um, and the agent at that point would went, okay, but not here. Yeah, keep in mind these are the teams, and then you know you should start seeing alarm bells and sirens going off all over the so, place. So. It, it, the, while there may be a descending order of shit on my face, <laughs> it's 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 not limited to Ottawa no. alone, and it does include the NHL. It does. Like, um, I don't know how, and and this whole idea, and 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 I'd be interested in your opinion that wow, agents and players don't want the ten team limited, no trade known because you know, they don't want them to know who they don't want to go to. You're like, fuck you, man. What do you care? Well, so this is the whole idea that, yeah, from now on, instead of these agreements being just filed with your team, you'd have to let the league's central registry know Yeah. in this guy's contract, he has said, I'm not going to these 10 teams or whatever the number might be. And yeah, it, they don't want it getting out that, you know, uh, Brian Burke has said a pile of times that Canadians would be appalled if they knew how many Canadians had all seven Canadian teams yeah. on their no trade lists or things like that. I just think that's unavoidable at this point. Like right. the league is not going to allow this to happen again. And if you file contracts with the league anyway, every time you sign them, this should be one page on that contract or one tab on that spreadsheet that just goes, by the way, for this year, here's the 10 teams the guy's not going to. And then this stuff gets nipped in the bud on the trade call. Because right now yeah. Vegas and is boned. Like, yep. And I love it. 
Yeah, and I, I, I just said on the show, right, like two weeks ago, I love how aggressive Vegas is. They're just like, yep. whatever, we'll do it and figure it out later. And sometimes this is what happens when you operate that way, I guess, right? And Sometimes we don't figure it out. Right. And so, yeah, they um, now there's some talk that maybe neither of those guys they're trying to get off LTIR will be ready anyway. Um, and that, you know, Vegas is fading fast in the playoff race. So maybe this isn't going to matter. And I, the talk has been, you know, you could go to Arizona and Arizona has room because you can still make trades after the deadline. The guy just can't play after right. he's been dealt. So in theory, you could go to Arizona and go, okay, take Dadden off because Arizona, by all accounts, isn't on his list because they got a sweet tax rate too. And that yep. seems to be how he set up his list. So good for you, bud. Um, well, and-, and go to them and say, take this guy so we can make our moves. But Arizona knows we're the only spot that this is going to work and it yeah. is going to cost you big. So smells like a first for sure. So until you know for certain, Hey, Mark stone is ready right now or Alec Martinez. I wouldn't do it. Like your playoff hopes are fading anyway. You don't know. You want those guys back if they can help you to get back into the race. But until you know that they're ready to go and you need to make this move, I'd probably just live with it for now. Well, and, and, the, and the gist of this is, is it's not just Dodonov's $5 million and change. No. It was Kessler's relief on top of that. And John Moore, who Anaheim got from Boston, he thought he was being traded to Vegas, and now he's back in Anaheim. Like, this is a mess. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it really comes down to, they need more than the five and change. Yeah, oh yeah. With, with all that they have. Like, Mark, that, that brings Martinez back. Yes. That, that still leaves Stone out. Yep. Or half a stone, whatever, however you want to look at it. <laughs> it is, and, and it's on everybody. Yep. And, and, and again, whether you think it's Ottawa's fault, at the end of the day, Vegas has had the guy for nine months. Yep. And the, and the NHL, you, you got to keep better track of this shit. And, and if you look at the, the nitty gritty and the ins and outs of, of no trades and taxes and where you play, right? Whether it be Nashville, Florida, Texas, um, you know, Nevada, wherever these areas are, your agent is good. There's ways around signing in a Canadian city, tax havens, yes. RTCs. There's all these sorts of things. Nobody also wants to sign in LA, Anaheim, and San Jose because shit is is Canadian style crippling there, but different, right? So if you want to set up something for a Canadian city, which is where Dodonov originally signed this contract, yeah. he's good to go to, as I've mentioned. Those, he has a those, Swiss shell corporation. This something. is it. But <laughs> I don't want to, if I'm Dodonov, I don't want to go to California. I don't want to go to Massachusetts. I don't want to go to New, New York. York. These are the places where you go outside of Canada. You're like, I'm, there's a bunch of places. Yep. And, and it's funny that it becomes a, a spot where it's not just, I don't want to go to Quebec City in the old Nordique days because the team sucks. It's, I don't want to go to these places because my riffs and my annuities and everything yep. else take a boning. And you're like, it's not about winning as much as it is about my tax investments. Well, Dadanov in particular should be careful because he also doesn't want to end up in Russia where he's getting paid in rubles. That are You're a Slavo. <laughs> Here I come. Yeah, that ruble ain't looking great right now either. You, you'd have been better off in Anaheim, me thinks, right? So, me thinks. Yeah. 
Uh, why don't we talk a little baseball, man? There's been a bunch of stuff flying around as we get ready to ramp up the season just under two weeks away now from opening day. Uh, one of the stories that was interesting to me before we get to the Blue Jays specifically was all of a sudden New York City has decided that, uh, you know what? Athletes and entertainers don't have to be vaccinated to go to work. And uh, this is a thing that has been a policy in New York for a while that if you work for a private uh, company, um, yeah, you have to be vaccinated to return to the workplace. And we've talked about this before with Kyrie Irving and how he was not able to play for the Brooklyn Nets um, at any home games or when he was playing the Knicks or when he was playing the Raptors, where you also have to uh, be vaccinated to come into Canada. And uh, they were like, no, we don't want part-time players, so we won't have him playing the road games. And then things weren't going so great. So they're like, actually, yes, why don't you come back and play those road games you're available for? And we talked then that he'd beaten them, right? He'd already made them come crawling back to him. And then we get to spring training, and we heard the awful answer Aaron Judge gave about his vaccination status. By all accounts, there's a couple of Yankees on this. And the team stayed oddly quiet. Like, just, you know what, don't worry about it. We'll see what happens, was the term that kept getting thrown around. And then all of a sudden this week, we saw what happened. And, uh, yeah, the city of New York decided if you're an entertainer or an athlete, you're exempt from this law. You don't have to be vaccinated to go to work. And uh, all of a sudden, the Yankees' problems seem to be fixed. Yeah. Are you handing that back over? Take it, man. It's it's interesting because I see that at work now that they are there's people who have either not once vac- vaccination became mandatory back in November, December, whenever that was here. Mm-hmm. There's people at work who just sort of disappeared. <laughs> and and then now it seems like with this this waving of of sort of any kind of protocols that a lot of places, a lot of things have just been cut loose. And it's like, buyer beware, whatever else happens, I am not in the least bit surprised by any of this. Um, it seems like caving, but I can't just hold New York State responsible because I we see it here in the city of Ottawa, right? That that this idea that, all right, we're pretty convinced we're post-COVID. We're going to cut it loose. And so, yeah, I, I found Aaron Judges slash Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> uh, Aaron, it's, it's got to be. It's got to be the Aarons. Um, yeah, his, yeah, the, the regular season's a long way away. We'll see what happens. Yeah, clearly, He'd the be. Yankees already had more than an inkling what was going to happen. Right, and the Yankees Kyrie, and the Mets now join the Nets and the Knicks, twist in the arm of the city, and yeah. Uh, it broke. <laughs> yeah, well, and and I'm because you now have uh, you're not checking for for vaccination status into buildings. It seems odd to ask if 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 I can sit behind the behind the plate with no vaccination status needed. How can I hold the players to that same status? Now, it be, it's in cross-border travel for those in the AL East. Um, but yeah, we've cut that loose in Ontario as well. But I, I guess the difference would be in Ontario, it seems like we've just waived it for everybody. Like, whatever, go back to normal, it's fine. 
yeah in new york everyone else who still works like has to come into private like those people are still held to that standard and you are a worker as a yankee or a met or a nick or whatever you're a a private a worker for a private business and this is only being exempted to you or only being offered to you and to me that's the the shitty difference your point on the paying customers coming to watch the game versus the athlete is interesting and it's a it's a valid one but the hypocrisy of at least in ontario we were stupid with everybody like it's fine everybody go universally back to dumb right uh that will be the uh the ford campaign slogan i'm sure across the board making the worst decisions in new york you're still holding the average joe to this standard but aaron judge yeah. can go and do whatever the fuck he wants to me that's the part that's bullshit yeah and and that is a great point and it um once i start once my pie hole opens <laughs> and it, it starts going in one direction that that is an interesting point right that the again the costanza in the situation working in the yankees front office may have to be yes vaccinated but Aaron Judge does not right and 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 really with all these decisions you go uh oh, what's 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 happening here what's the deciding factor and you go uh, money, money 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 Aaron Judge I can't replace that guy but you Costanza I can you're a dime a dozen yeah. man you are out <laughs> and so it's it's one of those things where we are in an area where yeah we're saying um, fuck it. That seems to be the, that seems to be the, the, yep. the response to so many things at this point. So when you, you referenced there a minute ago, the cross-border travel in the AL East, and, and I think we can get into that, but to me, and I, I, I posted, uh, on our Twitter account at talk audio when New York first, it, this was all making news a week or two ago, and it was clear judge wasn't vaccinated and it still looked like it could be a problem. I saw that as bad news for the Jays because if this guy's going to risk having to sit out the entire home portion of the Yankee schedule, he'll go get vaccinated. If it's just 10 games in Toronto, he may go, no, fuck that. I'm not going up there. And, uh, and I'd be okay with that if he doesn't want to come in and play with the Blue Jays. And so it does sort of swing back that way now. If he's going to be able to play all the home games... Maybe he is still uh, holds firm and, and doesn't do it, and, and we don't have to face. There'll be more than a couple of guys that uh, that can't come into Toronto. This apparently was a story with Trevor Story, as I horribly form a sentence there and, and trap myself with my own sentence structure. Trevor Story, when he signed with the Red Sox here in the last week or two, one of the final holdups was the Red Sox were kind of saying to him, we need you to get vaccinated. Like the Jays are going to be good this year. We, those 10 games up in Toronto. And at that point, they were also still worried about the ones that they would play in New York. York. We can't just have you sitting all those out. And he went and did it right. Uh, When someone's offering you that kind of cash, maybe you, you can fold on your hard stance pretty quickly. Yeah. It is interesting though, that um, we've seen Jeff Passan and, and Ken Rosenthal and a couple different guys now comment that, it wasn't just the AL East, but it was it was a lot of guys in the AL East when teams were interested in free agents were taking particular interest in people's vaccination status, saying right. this is going to be big this year. This division is going to be tight. We can't just have you sitting out at least ten games of the right of the season. And and it's and it's funny because I look at that 
and and I say, you know what? I, I think this Jays team is a hundred win team. Whatever lineup yeah, you yeah. want to you want to trot out. So uh, unlike other years where I may be standing up going vaccination. <laughs> With, with fall toe the line uh, at this point i'm like you know what i uh, i think i think we're a hundred win team and so i'm less concerned about who comes in to play you well about who who gets in under a loophole or um had this been the jays last year you know this this time last year where i'm unsure where this team could go with potential versus yeah um, maybe I'm saying, fuck it, man. I don't want to see Aaron Judge. Right? <laughs> I, I, I don't want to, you know, hold him out of the lineup. At this point now, I'm willing to roll out the Jays lineup and say, bring it. Take your chances, man. Give us your best because I think, I think the Jays are bringing probably the best, the best lineup in the AL East. So, well, so Blue Jays know president Mark Shapiro was asked about this this week, and he kind of went off, like in a way that isn't overly, um, you know, that's not characteristic for him. And he kind of said, you know what? Don't talk to me about a competitive advantage and it's not fair because nobody gave a shit about us when we were having to play right. in Dunedin or Buffalo, pouring Buffalo. millions into those buildings to make them major league ready. And Yankees and Red Sox players were walking into that still complaining, this isn't up to standard, we shouldn't have to come to... Shut the fuck up, like, was sort of the... He didn't use those four words, but he was fired up when asked that question. He said, I don't even want to hear about it. And the thing nobody talks about, this is not a Canadian rule. This is... It goes back to the trucker bullshit. This is an American thing, too. You can't enter the United States without being vaccinated either, but right. since everybody's already based there, they don't care. And Canada appears to be the outlier. But when you read the Twitter replies for Jeff Passan and some of these people, and it's like, well, then fuck Canada. They should have to keep playing down here. whatever. Motherfucker, you have the same law. You just don't stick your head out from under your whatever long enough to know what's happening. And, Ostrich, Matt. Yeah. Buried deep in the sand. I had it buried deep somewhere mofo. else, but that's fine. All right. <laughs> but Shapiro was having none of it. He goes, don't care do not care right like and to me that's i like that so you can take the guy out of cleveland (laughs) and the cleveland (laughs) out of the guy it's apparently possible right um the jays did announce sort of speaking uh of some of the same issues this week that they're going to renovate over the next two off seasons in a big way the rogers center as opposed to uh try and build a new ballpark in the next couple of years and the reason I sort of tie these things together the way I have is for Mark Shapiro. He's been talking about either a new park or renovations essentially since he got here. And for the last two years, it's almost been completely backburnered because that guy has had to become an expert in Canadian medical law. Of course, and yes. he's had a bunch of shit to do. He Suddenly he's renovating ballparks in Dunedin and Buffalo before he the, gets to the it. sausage park in Buffalo. <laughs> exactly, is, is... man. So he's had some shit on his plate. And now that it looks like the blue Jays are back home and everything's going to play off the way he wants to, they've made it official. It looks like about 30% of this work will get done this coming off season. And the other 70 in uh, in the year after, and it should buy them, in their opinion, 10 to 15 years to sort out everything that's going to go into this new ballpark in Toronto. Uh, it looks like 
overwhelmingly, this will be based on uh, on the lower bowl, if you want to call it that, the 100 level. Um, we've talked before that one of the biggest problems is how shallow the steps are, right? Like it's far, it goes back more than it goes up. So you kind of end up a long way from the field. Also, any seats outside of first base and third base, you're just kind of staring out into the outfield instead of staring at home plate. There's a lot of work they can do there to improve, um, you know, the the fan experience. And the other big part of this will be trying to replicate what they've built in Dunedin in terms of a player development complex and and making this uh, a far more updated place to train and and top end facilities there. That will all be kind of away from the fans' view, but done underneath. Um, they say there won't be a part of this building that doesn't get touched by these renos, but the outside walls are going to stay as they are. The dome is going to be what it's going to be, but they're going to try to to do the best they can inside. Well, this is a 33-year-old stadium. Yep. Um, and, and the demands of the late 90s, I mean, late 80s, early 90s, where you, where you needed those 50,500, you know, Toronto was pulling in four-plus million for four or five straight seasons. Yeah, per season, yeah. Um. Those those sort of the way you build something then is different than they are now, right? Oh yeah. You don't build a fifty thousand seat baseball stadium now. You'd be quite content with forty and change. Yeah, like you're seeing lots at thirty, thirty-two that right. look like classic ballparks again. And- right. And and the idea that um fans are looking for so many other in-game um opportunities yeah right whether it be hey man i want to be you know having beers at a at a tall boy standing moving around yep like the coca-cola family zone i don't want my kids anywhere near the people who are having beer maybe you have a gambling zone maybe right there's all kinds of stuff you can do now so to me there's there's probably eight thousand seats worth of disposable now do you wish you had those come you know divisional series right yeah yeah but when you're looking at selling 81 home gates where hey man a 40,000 seat is is a great is a great gate you need you need to be doing something with those 300s that feel like you're on the fucking moon <laughs> in my opinion right <laughs> i get what you're saying right you and i have you know it's been a couple of years now pre-pandemic but sat in in that along first base line yep in the in the sort of lower level, and yeah, it's flat and it's it's low, but those are still you get good game experience. And if so, whatever you want to do there, I get it. But they really need to revamp that that fifth deck or whatever they call it there. It's it's up in the yeah the five hundreds up the there five hundreds. Sure. What you're going to see a lot more of, I think, in that that lower bowl. It sounds like our you know, luxury seats or primary seats, right? We, they don't have a ton of those either. And they were willing to move. And you heard no shortage of squawking about it when they moved the press box out from the 200s directly behind home plate out to left field. And the media suddenly were writing stories about how that wasn't a good idea, which is funny because only the media cared. Um, but at the 100s, like you need to see more spacious seats. You need to see like your platinums, right? And and like yep. club areas and stuff. That's another way to, all of this is about making more money in the building. So one of the things you can do, as you said, if you pull eight or 10,000 seats out of there, 
make the ones you have a little more spacious, turn them a little bit so they're pointed at actually at home plate. Uh, maybe a couple cushions on them, maybe some drink holders. And then, yeah, behind home plate, I think you're going to see more, yeah, premium um, services or, or whatever you would want to call it in, in that regard. I think this is about, you know, when you lower the number of seats, maybe the demand goes up. And you can kind of add these things, as you said, like maybe it's a craft beer area. There's another family area somewhere. Um, the flight deck, it's become kind of a cool spot, like out yeah, in center field, just like a patio with some standing tables. People like that. You can kind of meet up with other people, you know, at the game who aren't sitting near you. I think there's stuff to be made. And, and the, the phrase he used a couple of times was we want to take this from like the dome is what it is, but we want this to feel less like a stadium and more like a ballpark. And so... Like I said, the shell, that's not changing. But I do think there are things you can do inside widening the concourses and, and just little things like that, that that can kind of improve the fan experience. Well, if, if you look at you and I, and it's been a couple of years now, but that last Red Blacks game you and I went to. Yeah. And, you know, I had season's tickets. We're up in the seats for the first quarter. And then you're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go down. Take a stroll. And there's, and there's so many other venues or vantage points yeah. to stand, watch the game. Uh, Maybe closer to a beer stand and a pisser. Honestly, that place that <laughs> against the railings where, yeah. yeah, it's not the most optimal, but we have the whole view of the stadium yep. and bathroom is like, 20 feet that way and the and the beer stand is right behind us <laughs> and yeah man it's it's a I'm fall good. day it's it's beautiful and we're just standing up against the railing having pints watching the game shouting nonsense into the wind <laughs> whatever man it's but much that's like every sunday afternoon man, this is it <laughs> this is it but that's that is so much more the for the people who want to bring their kids and have the have the traditional in game environment, mm -hmm. we're going to sit in the stands. I'm going to get my popcorn and we're going to do. You have to cater to everybody, right. right? There is, and people expect more than to sit in a cramped, shitty seat and, and watch and be left in the dark for all kinds of league run bullshit, whether it be, you know, can't show a replay yet, scoring reviews. Yes. Yeah, all these sorts of things. You go, what is happening? Yeah. Well, I don't really care because I'm pinting and I'm watching the game and I'm shooting the <laughs> They'll breeze. They'll let me know. <laughs> right. And then there's, you know, there's there's the section where there's a bunch of, you know, like I said, high boys where you're chatting and the game is happening and you're like, you hear the crowd and you look and you're like, it's it's a multiple experience opportunity. Yeah. Right? And this so, game can be a lot of things to a lot of different people and your stadium needs to serve that. And when you're, and, and no more or you know, look no further than you're having 81 home games yeah. a season. Yeah. You are not dialed into every single play. It's not like the NFL or the CFL where you're looking at 17 or 18 games, yeah. nine home games. You're looking at 81 where in baseball, where the game takes three plus hours. Right. And you, you cannot be invested in every single thing that happens. <laughs> that is a sport that caters to, Hey man, we're shooting shit about whatever, and you go, okay, wait, wait, Vladdy's up to bat. Yeah, and then everybody sort of watches, and you go, okay, this is super, this is super important, and you're like, ah, man, you know what? It's it's whatever's happening, right? And you just sort of move along, but it's baseball caters 
to a very casual environment where there's other things happening. It, not everybody is scoring at home. No. And Shapiro did say, you know, uh, you know, we sort of alluded to it here off the top of this topic was how this sort of got backburnered and whatever, and now his attention can be back on it. And he goes, we need to hire five to 10 to 15 people where this is their sole job is to explore a new stadium. And he goes, to get this done quick enough, uh, we've talked before about this, um, the amount of time and dynamite it's going to take to even bring down the dome to ever be able to rebuild on top of it. Are you willing to move for a couple of years somewhere else after you've just had to? Um, where else might be a good spot in Toronto? Like there is no better location than the dome. Uh, the, you will not find a better location. No, than that. the, uh, the land is owned by the federal government, but the lease is owned by Rogers. Like even before you develop a plan for what a new stadium there might look like, there is piles of bureaucracy and whatever, like we can't do it quick enough for what we need. So the plan is, yeah, to go ahead over the next two off seasons, renovate similar to what MSG has done. Um, over the last few years to get basically a new building inside their shell and buy yourself some time, right? And and, and then you can hire those people. Uh, the Jays just can't afford to be screwing around right now. It's frankly unbelievable that they're going to go into this season with the highest payroll this franchise has ever had, even with, you know, adjusted for inflation, considering that they made no money the last two years, right? Like the amount of money they spent in Buffalo and Dunedin versus the amount of money they actually made selling tickets, the losses are greater in Toronto than they were anywhere else. And I shit on Rogers a lot and usually they deserve it. But quite frankly, the fact that this is being allowed to happen right now is a miracle. And I, I just, I've said it before, the dome is okay for a lot of things. It's not great for anything, but it'll do for a bit longer if they're going to get in there kind of do their best to bring it up to date. And I kind of get it that this isn't the time that they can go and make another huge investment. Meanwhile, having to go somewhere else and make no money again for a couple of years, right? This is, this is all they can do right now. To me, it's justifiable. Well, and you want another pro segue. I'm going to give it to you right now. Bring it. Um, I'm not sure when Toronto became the Jays, the, the fan base became this, Oh man, their fans are, their fans are beyond compare. <laughs> like I went to a pile of games. I'd never been to more than in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, right. where I'd probably take in 15 games a year mm-hmm. for about a four year period when they were really on the come, right? Like this was lead up to and world series years. Um, and it sounded to me always like a bunch of grade seven girls squealing it had a very like, high pitch sound to the honestly it always crowd. did yeah. like it's yeah. it's a corporate crowd everybody had to be there and then in the 2015 2016 run and then when they came back for even half capacity last season it's more of a basier a, gutter, a guttural stomping roar, yeah. kind of roar right where and i'm not sure when this when it it, it patched over but if you look at the 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 Gritchick trade, and it was Tapia, his first name escapes me. Rimal Tapia. Saying, I can't wait to get to Toronto 
I hear such good things about the fan base and how dialed in they are. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And I've heard that a couple of times now, right? Where, and they're not wrong, right? The bat flip, all that stuff where the, <laughs> the, the noise was like. Like shaking, and so to where Toronto in those years between the heyday, the white collar crushers that were that sort of Carter Alomar Whamco crew, yeah, Whamco into the sort of Batista Encarnacion Donaldson, the Donaldson for sure, man. Those years when you went, what's happened here in between? Because <laughs> has Toronto changed? that much in those 25 years but it seems like like it's it's taken another level i think one of the things too is toronto has shown themselves in the last couple of years you know as far as players view is they're spending and i'm good with going there as far as the crowd goes i think we've said it a few times and, and we've mentioned it multiple times on the pod before 2015 you and i went to a game second or third week of april against tampa, tampa. and if there was 15,000 there, right? Like it was quiet. It wasn't fun. And we went again in early August and now they've made all those trades and you know, the, the crowd is back that it, people are engaged. It was pretty, there was 30, 35 in there anyway. Um, yep. So baseball, they swept the, they swept the twins four in a four game series. Yeah to make it into into the wild card spot and the place was going bonkers. it was fantastic and, if, and that that and that, if you remember if you remember Matt it was it was pretty quiet i fired up the too low chant <laughs> and the stadium went wild you and a 4 year old girl sitting behind you taking notes come on man <laughs> i don't care i'm that guy it it's true though it, it baseball fans in toronto are smart and they're not willing to go and sit in this big, shitty, cavernous concrete convertible to watch Felipe Crespo ground out into another double play. They're just not. When Rodgers is engaged and they're spending and the team is competitive and that stadium, that same stadium, once it's got a crowd in it, the fact that it is closed in the way it is makes that noise more right like it 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 echoes back at you it becomes this intimidating place to play and and the crowd is louder or seems louder than it even is and we saw that just over the course of a couple months in 2015 when we went to those games and and so it, it is it's cool to see that you know I, I i don't know what attendance will look like in the you know last week of april first week of may once the the usual kind of home opener weekend vibe subsides but it won't drop back to that 13 14,000 like it has in previous years and if this team is as good as it looks like it's going to be you're going to see 40 through July August September for sure like a this is a this is a smart baseball market they're just smart enough to know when it's not worth their money <laughs> and i think the bottom line in all that is and you make some great points matt <laughs> is is you're never going to get whatever you can do to the in-house experience. 
they are at the best place in the city for transportation in terms of a central hub pre and post game festivities all those things man it is it is you're never going to get better than that so yeah you may not love but the experience is not bad it could just be better and so whatever they can do for the next 10 15 years to still sort of embrace that location you're in it's gold it's money uh you referenced rimal tapia there and uh and the fact that he's looking forward to getting to Toronto. I think one guy who might have actually been excited to be getting away from Toronto was was handsome Randy himself, Randall Gritchick. Uh, by all accounts, it doesn't sound like he demanded a trade or anything like that, but he had sort of let them know, not in love with the idea of kind of being the fourth and, and maybe fifth outfielder here moving forward. Uh, so he gets dealt to Colorado uh, f- with some cash to kind of counterbalance how that's going to work for Rimal Tapia. And a uh, a prospect who's, I don't know, I think he's like 19, so we'll worry about that later. Yeah. Essentially, you've traded Randall Gritchick for his exact opposite. Uh, a grand, uh, Randall was a right-handed bat who flew out a lot, struck out a lot, but did have some power and was competent enough in the outfield and, and could play some center field, which was important here with, yep. with Springer. Um and he would make the plays that he was supposed to make, right? The house wouldn't burn down behind him uh, when you asked him to play some center field. And that was okay. But you right now have a lot of outfielders who hit with pop and, you know, can defend to their level in the uh, in the outfield and, and are going to either hit for power or strike out. Like you have a ton of that. Rimal Tapia is going to come in. And when I talk about the exact opposite, I mean it. He, he never strikes out, um, makes a, like always, always, always makes contact. He's a left-handed bat in the outfield. The problem that you're not going to love is 70% of the things he hits are on the ground. Um, he also is in the upper third of the league in terms of, of uh, exit velo, so how hard he hits it, but he always hits it into the ground. He's just up there hammering things into the Double ground. Place, yeah, specialist. He's got some speed, so I think this is sort of his thing. Like, okay, I can strike out or fly out, or I can put it on the ground and see if I can leg these out. He's not like an incredible speedster, but it's above average speed. And I wonder if the Blue Jays sort of see this guy as someone as a left-handed bat, which they sorely need. He can play on the, or he can come off the bench. He's going to play a little center field. They asked him, are you comfortable with that? And he's like, ah, I did that all through high school, all through the minors. I'm fine <laughs> with it. And, uh, okay, we'll see. Because Springer is not an every day for 155, uh, you know, kind of center fielder. So we'll see what that's going to look like. But it's just a different look. And honestly, I think Gritchick's going to be really good for Colorado. Not really good. He'll be good for Colorado. at Playing at Mile High there at Coors Stadium. Three months three months of the season, the first three months, he's always good. Okay, but at thir- at, at Mile High, he, that guy's hitting 35 home runs. Like, if Easy. he gets his 500 at-bats, he'll be fine, right? Yep. Um, this is just a better fit, I think, for what the... It's, it's, it's not necessarily an upgrade in terms of talent. It's just different, and it's maybe more what this team needs right now. Right, and you're looking at them sending money out, right? But yep. and money with money, like the the salary that's going, 
the, yes. he is I think I think Tapia is making three million yes. change to Randall's ten and change. So you're trading Randall away with some money to help Colorado pay for the difference. Right. And and what you're looking at is yeah, you there's there's a slightly better batting average that comes with Tapia. There is the very crucial left-handed bat. Mm-hmm. And you are looking at when when you start to look at even in this short two-week preseason we've seen Toronto wants to run more. Yeah. Tapia, I think, had 20-plus stolen bases last year. Yep. So, yeah, you are looking at not great power numbers. You are looking at more on-the-ground numbers. It seems like a fielder's choice dream in this <laughs> yes. in this lineup. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a bunch of guys. But you are talking about a guy who's going to play 100 games probably for Toronto, right? He's not going to be an everyday guy. No. He's going to be moving around. Yeah, all three of field spots probably. Exactly, and so when Hernandez, when Gurriel needs needs break, occasionally in center, whatever that looks like, right? So uh, late innings game, late inning guy, sort of in and out, um, and and you're looking at money out. So to me, it's it's I understand that the way they want to play the game, they need a guy like like Tapia. Yeah, and it seems like Tapia is happier to embrace this role than than Gritchick was going to be. He wants to play and that wasn't going to happen here. Like he just Randall. Yeah. It's Randall. Handsome Nobody Randy. cares. Do better. <laughs> I, I I like it. I think it makes sense. It it doesn't cripple them by any means financially. Um and it just sort of I think fits a little bit better. And I think they're sort of hoping, as every team does, our coaching staff, when we get a hold of them, because he does have like he's a, a pile of his exit velo is extremely high off the bat. It's just always onto the ground. If they could help get that up just a little, it would mean a few more strikeouts. It would mean a few more flyouts. But maybe you get more shit into the outfield, and you know I'm sure they believe we can help him get there. Right? No different than than Pete Walker, I guess, who's had a rough week. Uh, yeah, so known as uh, as the pitch whisperer in Toronto perhaps now more the pitch breathalyzer whatever you want to do with that it's it's not been a great week um I, I i assume that's part of this for them right they think they can help tapia get the ball in the air a little bit more and maybe have a few less ground outs yeah we're we're gonna see for sure but it looks to me like they they want that left hand back yep. late inning flexibility and um, where are we at with the uh, the Canada game here as we get ready to wind this one down? I'm sure by the time the good listener hears, they'll already know what happened. But I'm curious just before we get out of here. Uh, early second half, 2-0 Canada. All right. So we're going to do this thing today. Canada's so going to go to the be, World Cup. Yeah. And and it's it as you said, it is below zero still. Uh, the Jamaicans who aren't qualifying no. have got to be like. Fuck this. It's we're done with this. So I, I totally get it. It's going to happen on on home soil, which is nice. Our buddy, uh, friend of the show, AJ Jackieback, is at the game. He's been posting stuff on Instagram. Uh, he's a guy who has followed this team around a bit. Uh, went down in the last window to uh, ah, it's escaped me now. One of the uh, the Central American uh, 
teams to to watch Canada play down there. So good for him to be a part of this. This is something that he's been passionate about for a while. But it's pretty cool, man. The uh, Canadian team is going to move on and go to the World Cup. So that's uh, that's pretty cool to see. This has been a fun team to watch. A lot of young guys, uh, and even some of the older guys. A guy like Ativa Hutchinson, the captain. Um, you know, he's put in a lot of time. He thought he was done with before he uh, eventually came back and and was willing to rejoin and, and saw the direction that John Herdman was taking the group. And uh, this is going to be pretty cool. We'll wind this one down here. Um, it's been a crazy week on a bunch of different sports and uh, always fun to, to spend the Monday morning kind of looking back and talking to you guys about all of that. I don't forget, Thursday morning, Michael Barclay will be back on the podcast to talk about the book he's got coming out in April. That is, of course, called Hearts on Fire. Six years that changed Canadian music, 2000 to 2005. Uh, this is the same guy who wrote the story of Gord Downey and the Tragically Hip. That one's called The Never-Ending Present. And uh, back a little bit before that, have not been the same. The Can Rock Renaissance of 1985 to 1995. That's Michael Barclay. Uh, we'll put links to all of those uh, in the show notes, in the description that you see either at tallcanaudio.com for this episode or uh, there in your podcast app. If you want to check them out, if you want to pre-order uh, the book that's coming out next month or uh, check out either of the, the previous two, I've read uh, both of the first two and I'm halfway through the, uh, as I said, I got an, an advanced copy on uh, the one coming out here in April. Um, have enjoyed them all. So we'll put the links if you're interested and want to check those out. Uh, in the meantime, oh, and I should say, uh, of course, the week after that uh, first full week of April, our buddies Graham Creech, Steve Bunda will be back to tee up UFC 273. Uh, that'll be fun as well. Always good to have a pint or two with those guys and talk about the fight game. Uh, in the meantime, we'll shut things down. Canada on its way to the World Cup. For Rob, my name's Matt. We'll see you all next time on Tall Can Audio. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCan Audio on your favorite podcast app.